Last week, I preached about, uh, about my brother. If you were here, I talked about my little brother who is adopted, has Down syndrome, and uh, uh, it, was, it was great, the reaction that I got. A lot of people were sort of emotionally wrapped up in the story, and it was kind of funny. I had, I had prepared about a page and a half of like biblical sort of exegesis on adoption in the Bible, and the more the week went through, the more I scrapped it. And I just decided to talk about my brother, and, um, and so uh, it was great to have some conversations with people. Kind of a personal, different sermon. And uh, next week, uh, I'm going to start kind of a sermon series that's going to go through the summer. Um, and it's going to be in this theme of experiencing God. But I've been doing a lot of research into what's called Celtic Christianity. Uh, Celtic, uh, you may be more familiar with the Boston Celtics. Okay, but it's actually pronounced Celtic, and uh, being Presbyterians, we're Scotch-Irish. That's part of our spiritual heritage, and so part of our heritage is the Enlightenment and sort of logic and the Reformation, but part of our heritage is Celtic and really experiential, and uh, I think a lot of us Presbyterians have sort of lost our Celtic roots, and so I want to kind of use Celtic Christianity to explore some of those things. So just a reminder, if you're traveling, a lot of people will miss some, some Sundays here. Remember, uh, some, a lot, some of our services over the summer will be streaming. And also, I record the sermons, and so you can catch audio of them. But you, you won't want to miss kind of the build that's going to be happening. And if you missed the sermon last week about my brother, um, if you go on YouTube, you can see the pictures really clearly of, of my brother. And um, so you want to catch that today is a little different kind of Sunday. Okay, today we are uh, doing a baptism and we're honoring graduates. And sometimes I try to put that stuff before the sermon. But I decided today to take a risk with a baby involved and push the, push the, the practices till after the sermon because I, I want to talk just briefly about uh, rituals and how we use rituals in our life to experience uh, God. A ritual is something you do out of habit or tradition. We all have rituals that we do. It may sound strange to use the word ritual, like, like we're all wearing masks and in some secret meeting or something, but a ritual is just kind of a habit that you do, either out of habit or out of a tradition. We're people of habits. Have you noticed this? Okay, I'm willing to bet that you put your shoes on the same way every day. Okay, unless you're wearing flip-flops today, you probably either go right-left or you go left-right. You probably either go sock, sock, shoe, shoe, or sock, shoe, sock, shoe. But whatever you do, uh, you, you probably do it the same way every day. Like we have a way, even in our lives, of creating little rituals, little habits for how we do things. Bet you at your house, you have a thing that you do on the way out of the house to make sure, okay, I'm wearing clothes. I've got my shoes. I've got my purse. Where are my keys? You've got this little checklist, right? My son is learning how to drive, and he's got to do this whole checklist, right? I check my mirrors. I put my seatbelt on, right? He's got to go through the things. Okay, this is what we do naturally as people. We also do some rituals that are corporate. Okay, so this fall, I'll go to some football games because my kids are in the band. And I kind of know what's going to happen. There's going to be an announcer talking probably when I get there, saying stuff I'm not going to listen to because it's not important, right? About who the sponsors are and that you're supposed to behave in the stands, right? And the only thing. But I know eventually 
I'll be asked to rise for the national anthem. And if I don't rise, people will look at me funny. If I leave my hat on, everybody will know. See, we all have these rituals. We know how that's going to work. At the end of the national anthem, we will cheer, and then the teams will get into position. We know that it's time to start the game. We have this way of creating rituals in our lives. Because we're people of story. We're people of story. Your, your life is a story, and you're a character in that story. And your, your clothing is the costume of your story. You're living some kind of story. And part of what we do is we make rituals to help us emphasize parts of the story. Okay? And even at certain points in your life, there are rituals that go along with big transitions in the story. So what are some of the big transitions that we have festivals for, that we have parties for, that we have sort of rituals to, to go with? Graduation. Graduation, clearly. Birthdays. Wedding. Birthdays. Anniversaries. Anniversaries baptisms. Retirements. Retirements. Funerals. There's a whole thing, right? There's a whole thing of expectations of how we're going to celebrate them. And if you don't think they're important, forget one. <laughs> right? If you don't think they're important, forget it. And then see how that works. They are important for us to mark the valuable steps that we're on the way. The other thing to know about rituals is that we as people are bodily beings. Okay? We tend to think of ourselves, and we tend to think, okay, uh, the real me is a spirit, and this is just my shell. That is not how the Bible talks about you at all. You are a body and a spirit put together. That's what you are. That's what God made you to be. And so you are bodily, which means we tend to make our rituals bodily. There tends to be physical aspects. Okay, so if I'm living a certain story, I want to dress a certain way. If I like Star Wars, I probably have a Star Wars keychain. Okay, the amount of Steelers tattoos around this place, around this community, right? Think about the things people will say. They'll even say, like, I, I've heard people say, or have signs that say, I bleed black and gold. Right? That's a, that's a pretty serious embodiment of the fanfare that you're on. Right? We tend to want to physically express the stories that we're in. When we go to a t-shirt, t-shirt or go to a concert, we want to buy a t-shirt. We lose weight, we get new clothes. You want to physically do something about it. So let's think to uh, uh, some, of the, some of the festivities that we have. Birthday parties. When you go to a birthday party, what are some of the physical things you expect to happen at a birthday party? Cake, sing, ice cream, candles. We're going to sing happy birthday. Anniversaries. Cake. Yeah, dinner, card, trip if it's a big one. Weddings. You go to a wedding, what do you expect? Yeah, if you're local, you can expect a cookie table. Okay? My friends around the world, around the country, they don't know what a cookie table is, and they are seriously missing out. Okay? So it's a great example because some of our rituals are local, and some of them are pretty universal. Some of your families may have some kind of weird ritual that you do at birthday parties that nobody else does, right? But we create these rituals. Sometimes we, sometimes we do it because we know we need to. You ever had somewhere where you, you ever had something where, like you got a new job, you got a new promotion, you're like, we're going out to eat. We're just going to celebrate this. We need to mark this as something special. Uh, there, here's another classic one. You break up with somebody and you got to get rid of their stuff. Okay? It's like a way of saying goodbye. You can just throw it out or you can burn it. right? But sometimes you need to say a solid goodbye. 
Okay, here we go on a trip to celebrate something on the journey. Maybe you've gone somewhere to spread someone's ashes. I mean, sometimes we create rituals that we need because we know we need to mark this moment as important. Turns out the Bible does this a lot. Like a huge part of the Bible is about creating rituals to mark certain times in our lives and certain feelings that we're having, certain things that we're experiencing. Okay, so sometimes you put up markers and sometimes you have festivals. Sometimes you put on sackcloth and ash and you mourn. Okay, there's this all through the Bible. Let me read to you from Joshua 4. Joshua 4. Okay, so Joshua is about to lead the people into the promised land. He gathers the people together. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan. So finally, 40 years later, they're getting in the promised land. The Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I love this line. When your children ask in the time to come, what do those stones mean to you? That's why we do rituals. To keep the meaning of those things alive. To keep those moments special. And a church needs to remember that when we have rituals, when we have things that we do. We need to be able to point to them so that our children will ask us, what what do those mean to you? And we can give a response. Here's what they mean. Here's what baptism means to me. I remember my baptism, or I don't remember my baptism, but I remember your baptism. Let me tell you about it. Right? We, we, We want to be able to express to the next generations, to people that ask what these things mean to us. The Bible just gives time after time, chance after chance to do this. Right? The Bible gives you uh, festivals like Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, like Passover, rituals like daily prayer, embodiments like communion. Is there anything more embodying than taking Christ's body and putting it in your body? Right? This whole thing that, that actually what I am is I'm part of the body of Christ, that this blood was shed for me. These rituals hold significance for us. A ritual that Jesus said, that Paul says, shows forth the Lord's death until he comes again. This is why we mark. This is why we have graduations. This is why we have baptisms. And we're in a time right now that's kind of hard on rituals. I don't know if you've heard this. So many people in this culture start saying, I'm spiritual, but not what? Religious. religious. I hear this all the time. I'm spiritual. I want to be spiritual, but not religious. Okay. The problem is, part of how you are spiritual is by being religious. By going through 
the practices. The problem is that part of the ritual is how you connect spiritually. Ritual leads to the spiritual. So it's really hard to be spiritual without religious. But it's actually very easy to be religious but not spiritual. It's actually really easy for us to go through the rituals without any spirit in them. It's very easy. And plenty of Christians go through the motions of the ritual without any emotions. We just go through it and we don't ever put the spirit into it. It just becomes an empty ritual. That's actually very easy to do. And so we have to be careful when we do these rituals, when we when we say the Lord's Prayer, that we're keeping our head and our heart in the game. Otherwise, we're being religious, but not spiritual. And we're missing the actual point of the rituals, which was to make us spiritual. So today we're celebrating a couple of rituals, and I hope we don't just go through the motions. I hope these are spiritual rituals. Pray that anytime we come together to worship and we put all these rituals together, we pray and we sing, we stand up, we sit down, we put in our offering and we say the Lord's Prayer, all these things. That our spirit is in it. Because part of how we connect with the spirit is through the ritual. Today we're doing two rituals. We're going to do a baptism. The word baptizo in the Greek means to inundate, to plunge, to drench, to immerse. Actually, in in Greco-Roman literature, it's most often used, believe it or not, of shipwrecks. That a shipwreck, when that ship finally goes completely under, it's baptized. It's also used of drunkenness, okay? You're so inundated with alcohol that you're baptized. That's what it means, okay? But the Christians pick up on this word and start to say, this, this, this is our ritual. We're going to put a child in the water, put water on somebody's head, and we're going to say that they're drenched now in the spirit. They're immersed. They're filled with God. One of the things you'll notice as I do this ritual, little, little thing is uh, I'll ask, what is the Christian name of this child? See, in the ancient world, they thought so much of the ritual of baptism that they saw it as dying and coming back to life. And so what they would do is sometimes they would change their name. That was my old name. Now I'm a Christian, so I'm going to get a whole new name. And so I will ask, what is the Christian name of this child? Now, I have never had parents change the name of the child right here. Okay. <laughs> They worked hard and fought to get this name, and so they're going to stick with it. But I, I like to keep that question in there as a reminder to how significant we see this as coming to new life. It's a sign. It doesn't save the child, but it's a sign. It's a pointer where we are pointing towards the future of God's work in this child's life. It's also like a seal. We talk about it in the, in the Protestant churches like a seal which is like, a, like you, would, you would seal an envelope with your official seal. Part of what we're doing as a church is we're sort of sealing this child and saying, no, we're, we're trusting that God's going to work in this child's life. Now, to graduate comes from the Latin gratis, grad, graduatus. It just means step. Like, you ever, you ever had your, your, your driveway graded? That's the same word, graded. So when you graduate, you go from this step to this step. Funny enough, I also found out in my research this week that they didn't used to say that of students. It used to only be exclusively said of schools. Schools graduated students. 
Students didn't graduate from schools until much later. It was considered something that the school had done for the students. But it's the next step, and that's why you go through grades in school. Because now you go on to the next step, and the next step, and wherever the steps take you from there. But of course, graduating from high school or from college is something different. Because the next step isn't so clear. You don't just go into automatically a next step. You've got to decide. You've got to discern from God what your next steps are. And so we graduate. And we have all kinds of festivities of, of hats and throwing hats and switching tassels and all kinds of things. Why? Because we're marking the importance of this day. And the church has always wanted to be a part of that. And, not, um, and, and honor graduates and, and give them a Bible. Because we want them to be rooted in God's word as they leave this place. And um, because, because we all know that when somebody graduates, they don't necessarily stay here. In fact, staying here is a little bit the odd thing anymore. They go on. But they go on with our love. And they go on with our prayers. And they go on with our blessing. So as we do this today, as we do a baptism, and then we honor graduates, I would encourage you to be thinking of some of your own life experiences. Okay, maybe you don't remember your baptism, but do you remember how the church used rituals to train you and to give you life and spirit over your life? Do you remember your kids' baptisms? I would encourage you to tell your kids your, their baptism stories. Okay, one of the things I do is I mark on my calendar, my phone has my kids' baptism dates. We call them spiritual birthdays. Okay. They don't get a lot for their spiritual birthdays. But we do mark them and acknowledge, hey, this is a day. This is a day when the church acknowledges your God's work in your life. That's a great reminder every year, like your birthday, to say, how is that going? Do you remember your graduation? You remember, you remember the, the, the optimistic look on your face that the world was yours? Like, what has the life done to that look on your face? What grade are you in now? What's your next steps? Those are the things we should be thinking about when we do stuff like this. Not just those who are going through it, but definitely be praying for these, these graduates, this baptism, but also be thinking of your own life. What are your steps? What was your spiritual birthday like? And what are the rituals in your life? Because a lot of your rituals are actually shaping you way more than you realize. If you change your rituals, you can change a lot about your life and what's happening in it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.